Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Asim Hussein. Asim, who you want to say hey? Hey, hi. Hi, everybody. Now, you were on episode 201. Wow. And we talked about AI, or at least you and John Papa and yep. Ward Bell. And mm. yeah, it, it's, it, was, it was awesome. I was like, dang it, I wanted to be there. <laughs> but uh, you can't make it to all of the recordings, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to just give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? So, yeah, my name's Asim Hussain. I am, well, I'm currently a, currently, I am a developer advocate at Microsoft. So I work in the cloud team. I actually used to be in John John's team, but now I've mm -hmm. recently been given a very exciting promotion. I now run developer advocacy for the EMEA region, which I actually okay. had to look up, which is Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Um, so very excited about that. Kind of my background is kind of pretty varied. I've been in tech for about almost 20 years now variety of different technologies and industries started off in space doing c plus plus and then a lot of stuff in finance doing mm -hmm. c plus plus and then a bit of, bit of python and java and then eventually kind of gave all that up to go into the web space about seven years ago like fully into the web but even then i was doing a lot of python stuff with django that for anybody right django um, remembers Django. There's lots of Django developers out there that are still working on Django day in, day out. But anyway, my... They my remember it real well then. <laughs> and then like after a while doing Django, Python, kind of typical server-side development, I realized I really needed to get into do to learn a lot more JavaScript because there was definitely a phase where things just, it just changed. It almost changed in a year from you could really get away with building websites that were just server-side template rendered to you needed to really do javascripts and at the time i remember i did i started I tried using bootstrap for about a year and then i discovered angular js and it was just game over from that point forward um to now. Nice. Yeah. this episode is sponsored by sentry.io recently i came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps then i asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So I'm curious, how did you get into programming in the first place? Oh, so that's like a lot. Okay, wow. Um, so my... The very, very first thing that happened was my father in a very loving yet misguided gesture um, <laughs> got really excited about computing and then went away and bought, bought a computer. But I mean, this was the days of kind of Ataris and Commodore 64s and Spectrums and like I was like really expecting one of one of these kind of cool little bad boys and I could be swapping games with my friends. But no, he bought us 
I think I'm, I'm going to get the I'm going to get it wrong. It was a sharp <laughs> MX seven eighty something along those lines, which is a not very well known brand of computer. It came with a tape of two tapes, one tape mm-hmm. of ten games and another tape of basic so after a while of getting bored with the playing the 10 games because we, we were never going to be allowed to buy any more games and obviously none of my friends had a sharp mx 780 whatever it was um right. i just kind of opened up the book of basic and started uh just what what is this stuff i was kind of i think i was 11 oh, yeah 11 at that, at that age at that time and uh, I kind of wrote my first program. I still remember my first. I still remember my first program. My my little brother remembers my first program as well, with a lot of hatred, because uh, I I made a maths program, a maths quiz program, which is just creates a random mathematical question. So you know, random rand ints a couple of times. So mm-hmm. sixty four yeah. plus five. What is it? Um, and then he, my dad loved it, so he made my brother. Can do it an hour a day. <laughs> My brother is also now in tech, so obviously it had like a positive influence. But, uh, but that was my first foray into, into into tech quite a long time ago. I kind of kept in in the field a bit me and my brother kind of got into we started building websites back in the early days unfortunately we didn't keep keep up making websites i think if we had this is pre.com boom i'd probably mm-hmm. be a, a a triple what do you call it triple comma whatever type of person by now i don't know maybe i wouldn't be but um we were doing like a lot of this stuff back in the day but then we didn't we were just young kids we didn't really know we weren't young kids in the north of england in the UK. So we weren't really clued up with what was really going on in tech. We right. were having fun. So we just basically stopped. And then the dot com and then yeah, a bunch of things happened and then I eventually went into into did uh, studied at a university and carried on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So so how did you make the transition then? You mentioned <clears throat> moving from Python to JavaScript. I mean at what point did you realize <clears throat> you know what, um, my future's in the front end. Do you know what? It, was, it wasn't even, I can't, I, I've, I've actually had this, I've actually considered this thought quite, quite a few times since then because I've tried to figure out the exact moment because actually, recently I tried to write some Python and I, and I couldn't even open a file. I just couldn't even <laughs> figure out how to do it when it was my just life like for it. such, <laughs> it's like with open something i can't remember um That's right and there's a uh, VS code extension for that there's a vs code extension yeah i bet there is um that's gonna be a meme forever now <laughs> there's a vs code extension for that's that. right yeah i uh, need to open this can of beans there's a vs code, VS code extension. extension for that yes exactly uh i think there's a vs code extension for solving the brexit debate but that's a whole other kettle of fish oh man um, we just need more people to install it <laughs> Maybe I'll write a Brexit VS Code plugin. There you go. We oh, just there we go. Political. We just got political. So it happened. <laughs> um, but uh, what was it? So yeah, JavaScript. I don't... Because I, I, think, I think it's very hard. I think JavaScript is one of those languages everybody knows. Like you've always... Everybody's always got a little bit of JavaScript in their belt. Mm-hmm. So I'd always say it had a little bit of JavaScript. But then... Things wouldn't certain things wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I knew how to drop a, a jQuery script tag in and, and do something right. with it. But go, going from that, and I remember my first foray was 
was backbone. Going from that into backbone was a real challenge. Um, and uh, going from that was a real challenge. I, remember, I still remember writing some very, very bad backbone code. <laughs> we yeah. all did that too. <laughs> yeah, very, very bad. I've seen worse. That's the problem. I've seen much worse. Than very <laughs> bad backbone code. Um, and I think it was just kind of a very slow progression from that to realizing the backbone wasn't enough for the kind of, I was then doing a lot of client work with a lot of freelance client work. And I realized that backbone really wasn't cutting it. Mm-hmm. The kind of things I needed to do. I distinctly remember at the time, and I can't remember what the alternatives were. It was just angular JS backbone, maybe knockout. Knockout. Um, Ember. Ember. I wish I had actually looked at Ember because I think now looking back, I think that would have been, well, I'm very, very glad I, I got into AngularJS, but I think Ember had some very, very good ideas as well. Yeah, um, I grew up writing Rails, so Ember uh, was big talk in our community. Yeah, yeah. And it's still like very much going strong today. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, I think I, I remember the first Angular CLI was based off the Ember CLI. So, yes. Um, so yeah, a lot, lot of good tooling around that. Um, I remember doing the, um, I still remember it actually. I was at a Django, no, I wasn't freelancing, sorry, at this point. Now I remember I'm getting, my, getting my information wrong. I was actually, <laughs> at a, I was actually working at a uh, company in London called Potato. That was a, uh-huh. it was a Django shop. So it was kind of one of the biggest Django shops outside of San Francisco. Um, and uh, I remember just doing kind of a, the tutorial, the original tutorial on Angular JS and just it blowing me away. You know, I remember I used to, I used to have this faraway look in my eyes when I talked to people about Angular JS. <laughs> then I'd show them Angular JS and they'd have that faraway look in their eyes. And pretty quickly I managed to get the entire company kind of really focusing on angular js that uh-huh. company themselves potato did a lot of work for google a lot of work for google i was a google contractor through that company and so then i was talking to a lot of google pms who were themselves angular js was just kind of coming out and then they themselves were getting very excited about angular js for the internal kind of google products and it just kind of really blew up after that um so, so was it Angular then that really kind of brought you all the way yeah. in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think then also a year after I was really, I think people forget, but Angular at the time, Angular JS was so amazingly amazing versus what was out there. Oh now yeah. It's like this other oh framework. yeah. Yeah. It was just a game changer of a framework. It changed front-end development in the web for the better mm-hmm. across the board. Um, what was it about AngularJS for you that really brought you in? Because, I mean, for me, there were a few features, you know, like two-way binding and, you know, just the, the way that they put their controllers together and, and the directives together. Um, neither of which are terms that we use now, but... Yeah. You know, for for you, what what were some of those? What were what were the killer features for you? I mean, what was it that, you know, you'd get misty eyed going? Yeah, I mean, it it, it was just it was just a two way it was a two way data binding, and it's something that I felt that I I completely am behind Angular, the modern framework. I'm completely behind mm-hmm. because if you've built complex applications in Angular JS, 
you, you know the mistakes and you know how Angular is solving them. But the one thing I do miss is just that kind of five minutes to wow that you had with Angular JS. Yes. That was what it was. Um, Boy, we could just say that 10 more times and end the show. <laughs> yeah, five minutes to wow. That's, I, real, I, it, that's, that's the best way I've heard it put. Yeah, five minutes to wow. It's like, that was what, that's what it was. Um, and uh, like, I know there's other frame. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to, uh, there are other frameworks out there right now which have five minutes to wow. Mm-hmm. But then which, then you, I don't think you can have, I don't think there's any framework which has five minutes to wow, which then six months later, you're not pulling your hair out. Um, I think what Angular has is, we do, we've lost the five minutes to wow, but what we have is six months later, an extremely well-designed application that everybody's pretty happy working on. Um, I think that's what that's that's been the that's been the um, the transaction. That's been the that's been the compromise. I think that we've got with Angular. So I, I I think that's an interesting way of talking about it. I mean, ultimately, I mean, I do shows on React and Vue as yeah. well, um, and. I think it really just boils down to what people are trying to do with it. Yeah. And, and some, some ways um, you'll put angular on it and you're going to polish it and it's going to look, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to do what you want. It's going to yeah. be what you want. And then on the other end, you know, you'll put angular on something else and eventually you're going to start running your head into those walls where it's just, yeah. you know, you're yeah. getting just outside the boundary of what angular was really designed to do nicely. Yeah, and you'll run, you'll do the same thing on the other frameworks as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that there's like it's, it was what was what was really interesting me for me about the transition from Django to Angular is I don't know if, oh if you Django and Rails we were like opposite sides of the fence for quite a while right so yeah I think that um I distinctly remember that um. At the time of Django, there was another framework. They're, they're both these frameworks are still in active development today. So I'm talking about them as if they're, they're over, they're not. They're still very, very active with large developer communities. Yes. But um, there's also Flask. There was Flask mm-hmm. and there was Angular. And I think, remember, the, I still remember right now having arguments with people about Django. Um, because there were Flask, Flask was, like, was like just a library. It was just a one small part of... Uh, building a web application and you had to install a bunch of other modules to get the rest of the framework functionality that you wanted. Whereas Django was kind of batteries included. Every package is in with, with, with you. If you wanted to use, you, you just knew if you learned Django, you could learn how to build all kinds of different applications with it. Cause it's one, it's kind of a very opinionated framework. And it's not the same. I feel like it's the same discussions I'm having with people these days are Angular and other frameworks as well. Angular is kind of this batteries included um, framework. There's a lot of advantages to it if, you're, if that is your bag. Um, and I fully accept the fact there's other people for whom that's not their bag. They just want to have yep. a hand-carved system. And that's, that's fine. Absolutely fine. We yeah. can all just love the, the world. The tech world right now is big enough, broad enough that everybody can have the things that they love and just not step on each other's toes. Yeah, it's that funny. Way. You're talking about that with frameworks. Um, I am on my second pass of a book on how to find a job as a programmer. 
Yeah. And there's so, you know, and it's really focused on either the people who feel like they've just never run across their dream job, you know, the job that gives them all the things they want, mm-hmm. or the the new people who are trying to figure out what the best best situation is for them and how to find that job. And that's that's one of the premises that I put at the beginning of the book is essentially um, there is so much opportunity out there, mm-hmm. right? That you can find a lot of the things that really make you tick and, and, and can tick those boxes for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to your point, you know, you're talking about it with technology, but it applies to so many things in technology and so many things in life, you know? And, and that's really the overwhelmingly beautiful thing I think about life is that we get in and we, you know, the, the, the things that really make you happy and light up are not all the things, you know, a lot of them are going to be the same things that make me happy. And some of them are not going to be the same things. And there are going to be things that make me happy that aren't going to be the same things for you. But all that means is that I'm going to put a different value on some of those things than you are. And so, um, you know, yeah. I'm going to make things that make you happy. You, you may be better at making some of those things that make me happy you know, spread that all the way around the world. And we've, we've got a really, really interesting and intricate system for getting everybody what they want. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I just love that idea. And, you know, for the most part, I find that people have that same idea. You start talking about technologies and it used to be, well, you want to use this system or this, yeah, uh, you know, whatever, because blah, 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 blah. Right. And then, um, you don't want to use, you know, like Rails and Django, right? Here are all the reasons to use Rails and here are all the reasons not to do, use Django. And instead now it's like, look, you can solve 90% of the problems with either one, mm-hmm. right? So here are the trade-offs that I understand exist. And if that's your bag of chips, go for it, right? Because yeah. it's like, you can, it's okay. Like I like wearing certain types of clothes. Yep. I like wearing certain types of clothes. It's not the best clothes, that somebody should wear there can yeah. be personal preference that is is perfectly fine there can be personal style there can be mm-hmm. personal values it's fine the, we, we can have those well and what's really interesting is there may be a reason for it and so as we get yeah. to know each other a little bit i mean that's that's always interesting too right we don't have to fight over it but understanding where you're coming from oh wow that's really interesting i didn't realize that you know there's a cultural or religious or just a functional reason for why you do whatever you do. Yeah. yeah. So. I often worry, I often suspect that there's, I, I get it. I, I get why there is such a um, driving force inside people to prove that they have selected the right selection of technologies mm-hmm. and yeah. other people have selected the wrong selection of technologies because you, you want to know, you want to know that when, when there's all these options in the world, you just want to, feel confident that you've chosen chosen the right one but if you take the time to listen if you take the time to actually look at what these other frameworks are doing and how they're being used there's there's beauty in each one there's beauty in each one right some of the stuff might be mutually exclusive so you can't leverage it in other frameworks because of the fundamental differences between how Mm -hmm. they work but there are things that that do and to be honest with you there's so much that's similar these days oh they borrow from each other liberally oh constantly the way the way we all now have components <laughs> that, that concept is like so ubiquitous everywhere but like honestly four years ago it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't even wasn't even considered a i remember i actually remember this i remember thinking how crazy this guy was for 
somebody was telling me that, that they had interviewed this this guy. This was very early days in Angular JS. That everything was a directive. Mm -hmm. I was like what? And it was yeah, like the the HTML page. It's just one directive, and everything goes from there. Like one route that component and everything right. is like. I remember mm -hmm. at the time thinking that guy's nuts. Why would you build something like that? But now. I'm like, wow, that was genius. That's exactly what, what, we're, what we're doing, right? So, yep. Uh, so I do have another question. Go on. Um, and, and that is, you know, we've kind of talked our way into, okay, you got into Angular, you got into um, programming. Um, th there are two other things I wanted to go through because you went through the transition from AngularJS to Angular. Mm -hmm. and I'm curious yeah. what your story is there, right? I mean, what, what, what did you experience? What were you working on at the time? Um, and, and what did you kind of see? Cause there was a lot of angst around it around then. There was, I think this, there still is, if I'm, if I'm honest. Um, so yeah, I but that's usually from the people that still have a large code base. That they're trying to figure out how to move up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a couple of things I can say to this. A, um, at the time I was actually working for a, an, an ad agency um, where everything was built in Angular JS, and um, Angular was still in beta and was coming out, and there was kind of a mm -hmm. lot of um, uncertainty about what was going to happen. Right. So I, my first foray was I managed to convince the, the the organization to to commit to Angular early during the beta phase, mm -hmm. um, almost in a way because there was a lot of the. Because we honestly, it was it was more a hiring ploy because we felt we could hire some good people. Right, London's a very tough market. Some good people early on saying, "Look, we can we can, you can start working on Angular very very early." Mm -hmm. um, so we started that whole process, and um, unfortunately, I left before we completed the process. I don't, I don't know exactly <laughs> what happened with it, but it was very successful in terms of um, uh, attracting talent that that wanted to work on on Angular. Um, I actually have kind of quite a unique take on this because I actually have a course. So I went through, I, I since then worked for a couple of other clients who to help them specifically, um, A, either migrate from AngularJS to Angular or B, um, with one client was helping them. Um, it was very complicated. We had to work in hybrid mode with AngularJS and Angular and they were, they were, they were going to stick mm -hmm. with that forever. Oh, um, wow. It was just this incredibly complex application and they weren't long story, but that's where they, that's where they left it. Um, and, so, and then I also created a course eventually on migrating from AngularJS to Angular. I started giving talks because I had this experience. I started giving mm -hmm. talks on migration and then I took all that condensed that knowledge together to, to eventually a course which I was selling on Udemy, which actually I am actually now open sourcing the whole course. So hopefully in the next week or two, there should be an hour another free a free resource on oh nice learning how to migrate yes i'm open sourcing the whole thing is that going to be on codecraft tv it is going to be on codecraft tv yes i'm i'm kind of going through the process of open sourcing a lot of my course content to be honest um just because there's so many people who've offered to help and there's been no way for them to help because mm -hmm. it's all been closed source right so now even with spelling errors i, I would i'm terrible at spelling but <laughs> i would love some help for spelling errors um but there you go this episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens. 
and take-home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them, and if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash elixir. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. And so that has been quite interesting as well, the trying to teach people how to migrate and then listening to the answers, the questions people ask about their migration. And I think mm-hmm. the really complicated thing is, is that an AngularJS application was a lot looser. So you could ar- architect it however you really wanted to, which means that your path to Angular itself is now a lot mm-hmm. more structured. Right. So your path to Angular is, is one of many, many paths. And I've tried to hopefully teach kind of one path but you can get to it in so many different ways that, um, and, and they all have like, I think all of them have this, everybody who's really struggling has a complex angular JS right. architecture, which is complex because of bad architectural, not bad as in people made bad decisions. People made the best decisions based on the information they had at the time. Right. But it deviates that- from the way that angular went. Exactly. And so those are the ones that kind of now a bit stuck because it's been quite a few years. If it had been an easy transition, you would have made it by now. So if you now have an AngularJS application, it means it's probably a gnarly one that's going to be quite tough to to translate. Um, And so then you kind of start, I think you're starting to reach the kind of rewrite territory. But the one thing I will say is the Angular team did, I've never seen any framework team ever put as much effort into helping people migrate as the Angular team did. Yeah. It's, it's incredible the work they did to help people migrate. Um, I've never seen any framework do that ever. So, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Rails, they have an upgrade command in there in Rake, but yeah, it basically is just like here are the libraries you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. And the thing is, <laughs> with with Angular Yay for now, me. Yeah. But the great thing with Angular now, I migrate from Angular 6 to Angular 7 just by doing ng, ng what's the command? Ng upgrade. Upgrade. Update. Update. I don't update. And that's wonderful, right? With the whole yep. schematics thing, it's just updating the whole thing for you. It's amazing. Well, and it, up, it updates everything else around it too. Like, yes. it's not just the stuff that you pulled in when you set up Angular. And, you know, so if you have a vanilla app, it's just going to update all of that. No, it it actually gives all of the plugin authors and everything else the opportunity to, you know, uh, tell your system how to upgrade itself. So yeah, 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 yeah. that's powerful stuff. Yeah, um, really useful. So that's so, we're going to have that problem again. Yeah. So what are you working on now? So now, oh my god! So now I'm doing. I was doing. I've been doing dev uh, developer relations at Microsoft for the last year and a bit. So mm-hmm. it's really just been a lot more about cloud technologies, um, trying to find ways, uh, more JavaScript based. Um, so including Node, that's to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been talking a lot about 
trying to find way. Basically, the web interaction between cloud and Azure has kind of been my uh, space for a while. Another place I found a lot of, I found myself being very much drawn into for the last year is the interaction between JavaScript and AI and machine learning. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, think a, that's, I think that's a really interesting space that Definitely. is only just, the door is only just cracking open a little bit. And it's already incredibly interesting and exciting. So seeing where that goes in the next couple of years is going to be very interesting. So I've got, um, I, 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 I co-organize a meetup group in London called AI JavaScript, where we have regular talks about the, the combination of the two. I thought we'd struggle for speakers, but we've given at least one or two talks a month for the last year. Oh, wow. Um, yes. So there's a lot happening in this space. Um, I'm also created a site called AIJS Rocks, which kind of celebrates AI and JavaScript on the web. Um, I'm also in some discussions with W3 in the W3C uh, working group, not working group, sorry, community group. The, the words uh, mean words mean different things. Are we talking about how to perhaps bring machine learning APIs into the browser natively? Oh, wow. Very, very interesting work yeah. that we're doing. It's very, 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 very early days, but if we can get that, that's very interesting work. Um, and so now kind of my, my remit's a bit broader. So now I kind of lead developer advocacy in EMEA. So I'm covering quite, I'm leading quite a few people, quite a few angular people, to be honest with you. I think we, <laughs> just, we all just, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, we gravitate together in organizations. Yeah. So I'm actually quite looking forward uh, having chats with Stephen Fluin. We're trying to like get some better integration with Angular um, and Azure in the new year, and um, just really focusing on a lot, a lot of areas around there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So just just on a couple of those points, one is is that I'm pretty dedicated to setting up an AI podcast this year. Ah. Yes. So. Keep yeah. an eye out for that, folks. Um, I've kind of been talking my way around it, but haven't committed. This is basically me committing to that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had interest and I just, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just want to cover these areas because AI is an area that I think within the next three to five years, hmm. um, like right now, it's still fairly early. Um, you know, it's, it's not general use. It's not in everything. I think yeah. three to five years, we're going to have figured a lot of things out and we're going to be pretty close. Um, just to throw a few other ones out there, um, IoT is kind of going mainstream. You see it in a lot of devices these days. Mm. I mean, they uh, last year I went to us, they had smart kitchen appliances. Mm. I mean, basically it would just Bluetooth your text your phone basically and say, I'm done, right? <laughs> but, but that's another one that I'm going to start this year as an IoT show. And the, the last one that I'm going to start is an AI or an AR VR show. Oh. Um, because again, I mean, you know, people strap, strap on the goggles. They have a lot of fun with AR and VR, mm. but it's not mainstream. And I think, I think there's going to be something that ticks over again within the next three to five years. And it's going to be, it's going to be the same thing that was the mad rush when, when mobile kind of hit mainstream ah. or when the web hit mainstream. Yeah, And so we're, we're going to be dealing with the same kind of thing there. And I just want to give people plenty of information so that when they feel like they're ready to start moving in that direction, that they have tons of stuff to go uh, listen to. But yeah, 
Um, the other thing is, is yeah, you mentioned that uh, the Angular folks tend to gravitate to different communities, and it's it's funny because Microsoft has turned out to be one of those places, and it's never really been one of those that I really thought about mm-hmm. until um, they hired John Papa, mm-hmm. and then John hired a whole bunch of people, mm-hmm. and it seems like they're still pulling in a lot of the the who's who of the angular world that don't already work for companies like narwhal or google mm-hmm. and so yeah it's it's to me it's exciting because you start to get the thought processes of a community that i really really enjoy being a part of mm-hmm. going into microsoft and interacting with them in that way where some of those ideas you know kind of get to move up and down the chain so yeah yeah, yeah. Exciting, for, excited for that it's a very exciting time. I'll tell you right now, it's a very exciting time inside Microsoft. Very exciting. I feel, oh, yeah. very, I feel very lucky to have had the opportunity to, work, to be brought in by John mm-hmm. early in those days because it's, it's, it's been a real transformative time inside Microsoft and it's a really exciting place to work. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Microsoft Build, Microsoft mm. Connect when they were doing those. And uh, this last year, I also went to Microsoft Ignite. Oh, yes. And it's, I mean, it's funny because I go to a lot of other tech events and they're like, they're doing a keynote. And I'm like, I'm sleeping in. But those (laughs) ones, it's just interesting to see the vision of where it's headed. And yeah, a lot of the stuff, the demos and the keynotes, I'm like, okay. Hmm. But just the overarching vision of how... um, Microsoft is reaching into all these areas and then they're giving access to developers. It, it is truly inspiring. So, yeah. 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 I love it. All right. Um, how do people find you online? Okay. So the best place to find me is usually on Twitter as jaw ache, J a W a C H E. Um, I'm usually that on most other channels as well. And I think in all other channels actually, Mm-hmm. And if you want to find me, um, if you want to basically if you want to learn about Angular or find out about a little bit more about JavaScript or some other things that I'm doing, you can find me on my website, codecraft.tv. Nice. Um, do you blog somewhere? I, I was, it's so weird. I find it really hard to blog but I find it very easy to write books and release them online. So I do have lots of content okay. online, but they're more like long chapters of books that I've published. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, what about GitHub? Yeah, I'm on GitHub. Joe Ake. Twitter, Joe Ake. Uh, Instagram, Joe Ake. I think I've only got like, four pictures there. Um, yeah. I'm going to be a lot. I'm, my plan for this year is to do a lot more on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps even Twitch, in which case, if it is there, it would probably be Joe Ake, but I'm not 100% sure yet. So, yep. Yeah, yeah we're, we're trying to expand a little bit more into those same areas. So yeah. if if we get stuff figured out, you know, happy to help you out too. Oh, yeah. I need to get stuff figured out. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, the last section is picks. Do you have some picks for us? Oh, my God. Picks. Um can it be okay? I tell you what, I, I I pick this thing constantly. In fact, I I probably gifted this book at least ten times to people. Um, I think it's one of the best books in 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 the world. It's helped me enormously. 
um, and it's The Power of Vulnerability by Brené Brown. And uh, if you don't know Brené Brown, she's actually, I think she's the number three or the number four most watched TED, TED Talk of all time. And this is one of her books and it's, it, it literally changed, changed my life for the better. So I recommend it. Love it. I haven't actually read it. It's on my list, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Just get it and put it to the top. <laughs> and also, also, too, huh? also, I would strongly advise, in fact, not advise, this is the only one you want to get. You want to get the audible version of The Power of Vulnerability because Brene Brown, she narrates that one. And normally I hate it when authors narrate their own books. Um, mm-hmm because they're not very good at it, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. Brene Brown, she's a fantastic speaker. She's from, I don't know, we call it south of southern part of America. So she's got that accent. So she's, mm-hmm. I, I really love that accent. And she's just incredibly funny. I was laughing out loud for the first like 10 minutes of that book constantly. So get the audible version of it is my recommendation. Will do. That's, that's usually how I consume books. So ah, Fantastic. Um, so yeah, just to give people an indication of how my week went, <laughs> my picks are in no particular order, uh, modern medicine and antibiotics. And, uh, I, I'm also going to pick, um, I bought, um, a purple pad. They're, they're the gel. So they're the gel that's a collapsible gel. So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's shaped like a grid, right? And so the idea is, is as you put pressure on any particular point on that grid, um, it'll collapse one way or the other. And so it'll conform to your shape when you sit on it and it'll support the areas that need supporting and not push on the areas that don't need to be pushed on. So it's like for Uh, sitting on or for your back? Yeah. Yeah. It's for sitting on a lot of people with back pain and things like that really like them. Now um, the other thing that I'm going to pick is what I have sitting on top of the purple pad, just to give you another indication of how my week went. And that's one of those uh, inflatable donut uh, cushions. I'm oh, sorry. So, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of angling for some laughs. Uh, this, week, <laughs> this week was really rough. Um, some people have, have probably emailed me at this point, though I have like 400 emails in my inbox or something because I was at CES and I came back early and then I didn't look at anything because I was miserable. Mm. Um, and they're probably asking where the podcast episodes are because that kind of came to a halt for other reasons mm. that I didn't feel well. I didn't feel well, so I didn't even try and fix them. So, um, so yeah, we, we've uh, not released around the first of the year. We've not released for two weeks. But uh, we're going to get the train back in gear here um, now that I can actually uh, sit up and I don't want to just die. So anyway, um, but yeah, so it's, it's been kind of a rough week, but, uh, yeah, um, to, to kind of pile on, um, uh, Asim's pick here for a minute, um, uh, audible's got me through a lot of that. <laughs> I listened to a whole bunch of audible, <laughs> um, you know, cause I, I, for, for a while there, I was just laying in bed. So yeah. I just closed my eyes and listened to audiobooks. So yeah. Audible's oh. ruined me. I can't, I can't, I can't read a <coughs> book anymore. But anyway, separate. I can. Generally, what I do is I'll listen to a book, and then if they're particular, because it's hard for me to stop it and pause it and stuff. I mean, 
the headphones I listen on do have a pause feature, Mm -hmm. but I kind of want, it's hard for me to make a mental note at that point. Yeah. So the way that I do it is I'll listen to the book and then if I need to go back and kind of pick through it, then I'll get it on my Kindle. Yeah. Um, I'll, and, and on my Kindle is my Kindle app on my iPad. And then I'll, I'll go back through, I'll go read back through it and then yeah. I'll put all the, you know, highlight stuff and put the notes in and stuff like that. And yeah. then, I, and then periodically I go back through it and make sure that I'm implementing the stuff that I pulled out of it. So, yeah, yeah. I should do that. I will do that. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. I I love the stories. Um, We'll have to get you back on Adventures in Angular. And uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks again. We'll wrap this up and we'll come back with you with the story next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.